every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this start grow. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, third Saturday of the month. We are joined with John Harper of The Farm's Choice. Good morning. I would sure like to see all those clouds that keep building up over the mountains come into the valley every single night over the hieroglyphics. You just these huge, massive clouds. And you see it over the white tanks, these huge, massive clouds. And as soon as they're off the mountains, they just dissipate but but they were getting close the rain is getting here (laughs) our our old our old pal ed phillips used to say the the later the monsoon started the better it was okay the more intense it would and or you know more rain or monsoon events we'd get so let's hope that he's right and and does that roll over year over year because it never came last year so, so this should that... be real well, we yeah last year was late yeah she's late still we're here. still waiting for it so it's really late um It'll yeah humdinger so. this year so if you'd like to talk about your landscape or gardening you can join the conversation one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight that's one triple eight Rosie, for you, text questions, 411-923. You can send an email to info at rosieonthehouse.com. Where are we starting in our yard today? I, well, I guess I, we could start at what your yard look like <laughs> <laughs> after, you know, what have we had? How many 110-degree days? I, I think quite a few. Our whole, we were getting pretty close to our normal summer's amount of 110s. The other day, and we're only in the middle of <laughs> July. <laughs> oh, so I, 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 I always tell people when it's over 110, you got to just forget about your normal watering schedule, and you better start just getting out there and looking at stuff. And you might have to, you know, hand water or turn the clock. I, I've, I've run my timer a couple times manually, just turned it on and let it and cycled Cycle it, cycled it again, uh, just because it wasn't. You know, just it wasn't enough, um, and uh, so that's that's one thing to pay attention to is your you know your irrigation system right now. If you have a any faults or any ineffectiveness or anything that's not working right, it probably showed up. Um, brown patches in yards, uh, burnt spots, trees or shrubs that maybe are not looking good or not recovering or. Uh, you know, are starting to burn and sunburn and get that bronzish yellow golden look to them. That's not a new variety. It just means <laughs> they're not doing well. Um, so really concentrate probably on watering and, and anything you can do to help uh, those plants get through this, you know, little stretch that we typically always have somewhere along through the summer, we get this stretch of Pretty brutal weather. Somewheres along the way, um, I was told never give the plants a sympathy watering in the middle of the afternoon. Is it is if I mean when a plant's really looking bad, I just I give it a shot at three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. Is that bad? Well, it's probably not the right time to to judge whether <laughs> your watering system is working because some plants could be soggy wet. 
and at 3.30 in the afternoon when it's 112 and the wind is blowing and, you know, that plant is transpiring moisture faster than it can take it back up. Um, <laughs> you, you, if you did that over and over and over again, you could risk probably overwatering oh, and causing okay. some problems. Now, doing it once, you know, I guess what I would do if, if you've got a plant that's, I'm with you, if it, you walk out there and it's just in total distress, <laughs> uh, would be to check the soil moisture. If the, if the soil moisture is wet, then adding more moisture to it probably okay. isn't going to help much. If it's if that plant is in a pot or a container and it's bone dry, certainly water it. Boy, what you don't want to do is is actually spray any water on the foliage of plants in the middle of the day when it's hot like that for sure. And and yes, be careful not to judge your watering schedule. A lot of times, if you'll do that, if you can if you can keep from succumbing to the temptation <laughs> of watering it, and then watch as that sun just just as the sun kind of goes down a little bit. And notice those plants start perking up. I've got some pepper plants that do that. Yes. And I, to, and I have to really do it. I have to go, now. Nah, you know, they're, they'll be okay. And as soon as, as soon as the sun gets down below a tree that starts shading them, in, a, in an hour or two, they're, boom, they're, they've perked right back up. So, yeah, there's something to that. Um, check your plants in the mornings. If they're, if they're a little bit wilty in the morning, well, it's just going to get worse from there. So then they're, they're probably in trouble. They need some water, but, okay. uh, it's, uh, you know, we're getting into that time of year when we could, you know, we could have a monsoon storm any day now. Um, uh, you know, things are, you know, this is probably the worst time the garden's going to look all year. Um, and it does. And it's it just does. tough. It, it, um, it's very, very discouraging to go out and look at the garden. Oh, all that work is all just. What what you got to hope is you got it in early enough. You you were able to harvest a lot of stuff before this. I I'm not a big advocate of trying to nurse things through. If if your tomato plants are looking pretty tired and burn up and they've quit setting fruit, I'm for tearing them out and you know at least saving the water. Nothing else. Um, uh, you know you can put shade cloth up. You can do a lot of things to to kind of trick them. But uh, I don't know. I don't think it's worth the personally worth the effort for that. But it's a great time to evaluate your landscape, evaluate your garden, what looked good, what's making it through this kind of uh, temperatures and, and environment. If it is, man, it's a winner. Yeah, remember it. <laughs> Mark it down. Uh, keep it. If it's a little bit tough and doesn't look good and it's not making it, you know, maybe it's time to, you know, next this coming fall to replace it with something different. Hey, Jay, you mentioned water on the leaves during the afternoon. You don't want to get water on them. Why is that? Well, it'll, it actually can act like a magnifying glass and, oh. and burn. Oh. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. You don't want don't to spray plants down in the heat of the day, uh, and it can actually make, make them worse. Besides, it's not really doing any good anyway. Um, you know, uh, you're, not, you're not really adding— a lot of ambient moisture to the atmosphere by increasing the humidity around plants like you think you might miss a house plant that's inside a house or something. That might work inside an enclosed environment. But when you're outside and the humidity's down in the single digits or the dew point's down in the single digits uh, and it's really hot and the sun's beating on that plant, 
it actually will will make things worse than better. So don't do it. Well, did you guys, sorry, I was on answering phones, but did you already ask, is it okay to water them at night? I've also heard it's bad to water them in the evening. We we discourage a lot of times watering turf, you know, sprinkling, spraying and watering turf at night. If it stays wet all night long, you can uh, increase the risk of some of disease and fungus. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that's a problem if you're watering plants, drip irrigating or running irrigation on plants. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about that. My plants would be glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I, but it, it, irrigating turf uh, in the middle of the night can be, now, now somebody's going to call and say, well, I drove by uh, Papago Golf Course the other night and it was water. Well, when you've got 80 acres of turf to water, you can't do it in three hours, you know, in the, the prime three hours of the day. And they've got golfers that want to start playing golf at 5.30, 5.45 in the morning. You know, they can't be, you know, they got to be careful who they're getting wet. Um, so, they, you know, there's some things they have to do. And they, they can afford lots of fungicide <laughs> <laughs> on their turf. So um, it, it's best probably to water uh, residential lawns and turf as, you know, early in the morning. Three thirty, four o'clock is okay. It's going to get wet and then, you know, the sun's going to come up and any excess moisture, you know, can, can evaporate off or dry up. So. You'd mentioned saving water. We have a lawn in the backyard and a little lawn in the front yard. And finally, I'm like, oh, we're, we're letting the backyard go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no shade back there. You know, how many summers have we mowed, watered, fertilized, pest, you know, and we're never back there. All you do is look at it out through the window. It, and not even because yeah, the, the, okay. the way that it's lined out, we're never on that side. Now, in the wintertime, when we got the ryegrass, which gets used a lot, that's our football field. Mm-hmm. And we have lots of playing on it. But it's like, it is so hot and it takes so much water, time. Be out there sweating, mowing, and 115 degree temperature when you get home. And it's like, nobody's ever out here. Why are we even wasting our time with this? So mm-hmm. we just let that whole lawn go for the summer. And it's been fabulous. <laughs> well, you know that that gets back to the whole concept concept of of xeriscaping is you don't, you know, you, if you have a need for turf or something, uh, you know, have it. But if you don't, then then don't. And in your case, if what lawn, what purpose does that lawn serve? If it's just for the neighbors to look at as they drive by, well, that's not a very good reason. Um, and in, and where you can do it like that, just have a winter lawn. Um, I I think we'd all be smart if we just did that anyway, because um, that's when ninety. Well, I mean, I've got a backyard grass, and I can. It's right there. I mean, I look at it every day, and I'm pretty resigned to the fact that it's just going to look like I'm, I'm watering it and care, but I'm not paying a lot of extra attention to it. I'm not. Super watering. Not going for the golf course green. You know, I've got a beautiful ryegrass lawn all winter, and it, you know, really, it just started looking bad. Um, So, you know, it's July, August, you know, another couple of months, I'll be planting ryegrass again. And, John, that brings us to the most asked question 
we were asked this week. And I want to get to that right after this quick break. Sounds good. What it looked like. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. I miss the smell. Yeah. That's sure. what I look for. Uh, that creosote smell. Ooh. We could bottle it. Uh, our most asked question, or I shouldn't say most asked, our most visited page on our do it yourself database at rosieonthehouse.com this week was what's the best way to put down sod? Do I fertilize first? And it seemed kind of funny that it was this late in the summer that that was the, the most visited page. But, uh, you know, it obviously wasn't the first priority of everybody, but now now everyone's looking well, that, at it. Yeah, and actually it's this is a pretty good time to plant sod. You know, uh, Bermuda sods, hybrid Bermudas, love the heat. As we get a little more humidity, the heat and the humidity combined is a great time to, to start sod or even seed. But... Um, so if you're re- if you're starting from scratch and you've got just a a new home or a you know a vacant piece of ground, uh, we we'd recommend obviously get irrigation in first, um, prep the prep the soil with some good organic material, you know, lightly work it in, um, and then adding some type of starter fertilizer, yes, is a great idea. Um, I I would incorporate it you know into the top inch or two of soil um, and then you know rake it remember when you lay that sod whatever you lay it on top of it's just going to be a mirror in the finished grade of your sod so if there's lumps or bumps or you know things that you're laying the sod over it's just going to reflect that so get it you know as smooth as your countertop if you can Um, when you're done don't really necessarily compact it but just get it nice and flat and smooth Then laying the sod, the mistake a lot of people make when they lay sod is is they just kind of touch the edges together. Well, that sod's going to dry out a little bit. And I don't care how much you water after you put it down. And then so those those rolls of sod are going to separate just a tad. And you end up with cracks, for lack of a better word, in, in your sod. I... Take those pieces of sod and actually kind of almost roll them together a little bit and, and mesh them together. And then get it good and wet and then get one of those water-filled rollers that you can rent at A to Z Equipments or whatever. Fill it full of water and roll the heck out of that thing. And do it, if you can, keep it for a couple of days. And do it a couple of three times a day for a couple of days and get that. Get that sod rolled, get those edges mashed together, and and get it nice and flat and rolled on there and get the bumps and the humps and the footprints out of it and and keep it super wet for a couple of days. And uh, piece of cake. But fertilizing it uh, so, uh, uh, underneath the sod or in the prep is a, is a great idea. If not, you can put... A starter. And when we talk about a starter fertilizer, we want something that's not super high in nitrogen and maybe has a little bit of phosphorus and potassium in it. So those roots, we're trying to get the roots to to knit, as opposed to grow a lot of blade at the beginning. So use use some of that either before or after, but 
you might as well do it before while you're prepping everything. And if you were putting it in new right now, would you put in a winter lawn later or not not add that extra stress the first year? It's probably advisable to not do a winter lawn the first year. Um, just it does it is planting a winter lawn is tough on your underlying Bermuda grass. It just is. You are you're introducing a competitor uh, in on top of it, and you know it's we do it because we're getting back to to the our conversation a minute ago. Um, we plant winter lawns because that's frankly when we're out using the lawn the most. Um, and if push came to shove, that's probably the lawn we should really take care of. And ha- it's it's our lawn most of the year from October to May. Um, that's that's the lawn you're enjoying. The underlying Bermuda just kind of holds it in place, <laughs> um, so to speak. So, again, depending on your lifestyle and the kids and dogs and everything else, whether you, you know what kind of summer lawn you need. So, getting back to that, yes, it's it would. If you're just now putting a, a sod or a Bermuda lawn in, I would advise strongly that you do not plant a winter lawn the first this first fall. Very good. If you'd like to join the conversation, I have a question for John J. Harper. It's one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. One triple eight Rosie for you. When the auto attendant answers, just hit one, bypass that message, and we'll get you right into the studio. You can email info at rosieonthehouse.com or shoot a text off to 411-923. That'll get you into the studio or outdoor living hour here talking everything about our landscape gardens. And uh, I have a a quick question, speaking of gardens. What makes a watermelon split? Hmm. Is that lack of water? Well, it could be... It could be kind of a lack of water, and then we watered it. You know, so inconsistency. Maybe it got too dry, and then we hit it with a bunch of water. Uh, The other thing that will cause it is if it got a spot on it where maybe it got overexposed to the sun, that skin got a little bit sunburned, and then when it did, you know, so it loses its elasticity. Um, And so then when it did go to kind of size up a little more, it wouldn't stretch, and it split open. So... One of those two are both. Okay. Combination of both, even. In this monsoon season, I will find you. I will find you in the storm. Finding is the rain. There is nothing like a night when the lightning just lights up the sky from horizon to horizon and the rain's pouring and the 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 aroma of the wet creosote and just sit out and just enjoy it it's fun to watch that thermometer drop for sure (laughs) (laughs) what's the word you're hearing from around the state i've heard from friends in yavapai county say they've got a couple good rains tucson's had a couple good rains i think casa grande got sprinkled on once (laughs) i said flagstaff was getting it it what were they Good. Yesterday. Okay. They finally, uh, Christopher Creek finally got, they got 5,600 yesterday, which I think is the first decent rain they've had right there. But Heber had had two or three. Good. Um, so I think it's been, it just, it just haven't had that statewide 
occurrence yet, but it's been here and there. There's been some. Romy, you were talking about lightning. I was on a weather station website earlier looking at those shots that they took of the sun. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Um, some satellite is halfway between us and the sun right now. And the images were absolutely incredible. But in that article, uh, the National Weather Association just recently certified the longest lightning bolt strike ever. How long do you think the longest bolt of lightning? 122 miles. Okay. (laughs) All right. It was 400 miles long. Holy cow. And it was in South America. And it was like six years ago. But they just now verified it that, yes, it was one bolt. I don't know how what they're doing, how they're doing. But one lightning bolt, 400 miles long. So That's does incredible. that change the way we count, like one, one, one? <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. It's like, yeah, or, or you know, that wait until the last minute to get off the lake with that. Oh, boy. Fishing pole in your hand, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> it's uh, already too late in that I, case. I had to reread the article a couple times. I thought, man, was this a misprint? Wow. How do you research a lightning bolt six years old? I don't know. <laughs> it's got to be satellite images, you know, radar satellite images or something. But it was certified. Well, when the rain. What government program <laughs> is paying for that? <laughs> 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 Hopefully the South American, but yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> when they do come, what can we do ahead of time just to make sure our, our landscape and our yard strap down chairs, umbrellas, <laughs> well, uh, thin trees? Yeah, put your <laughs> umbrellas down every evening, that's for sure. Um, I have a friend that's in Oklahoma that he showed a picture in his backyard and he had a, a, a trampoline, you know, with the, that had the safety net around it. And he, and he says, those of you that know me know my kids are all grown up and gone away, and we always wanted to buy them a trampoline, but this came a little late. And he goes, and actually, this was my neighbor's. It blew over the fence. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so put the umbrellas down. Make sure the, the trampolines are strapped down. Um, besides that, as far as your trees go, make sure if you've got large trees that can be susceptible to breaking in those storms, make sure they've been pruned properly. If you're not sure what that means, you know, it might be a good time to have a, a certified arborist come out and take a look and see what, if anything, can be done. But precarious limbs, limbs that are coming out very flat off of a tree, uh, can can be uh, sometimes prone to breaking off. Um, thinning them a little bit, allowing, them, you know, a little more air so you don't have a sail effect. Uh, getting them broken. If you've got young trees, make sure they're properly staked. And what we mean by that is typically we want the tree to be double staked. So tree in the middle, a stake on either side, not touching the tree. Space between the stake and the tree. Tied as loosely as you can just to keep the tree straight between the stakes so that it allows them to move and flex and get stronger. Um, we, we touched on watering, but mulching around our trees, uh, anything, shrubs, everything this time of year will help them withstand, you know, periods of severe hot weather. Um, painting trunks of thin-skinned or skin-type, barkless-type 
trees like ash and ficus and citrus, you know, with a, with a protective uh, tree trunk paint or wrap them with cardboard or something like that to keep trunks of young tender trees from sunburning is also a great idea. And, and again, going back to the irrigation system, make sure it's working properly, that it's putting water only where it's intended to be put and make sure it's putting the right amounts on. And then measuring fall distances, you know, the, if a tree did fall, making sure that you've, you know, obviously if your house is in that fall radius, you, you, you can't really move the house, but right. making sure that you know, everything's out of the way if you've got something that is at risk or an older tree that you're worried about. Yeah, where you park your car. <laughs> For sure. You know, the other thing on uh, is, you know, a lot of the uh, – Controllers, sprinkler irrigation controllers, have a backup battery in them. If we do lose power during the monsoon, you know, it's time to change. And maybe this goes for a lot of things in your house, but a good time to check your, if you need backup battery power, this is when we're, if we're ever going to lose a little power for a time, this might be it. So make sure you're in good shape there. We had a little one this week already. Little, oh, yeah? little, you, we never noticed it, it other than the, all the clocks just were oh. reset to <laughs> uh, blinking. <laughs> so it wasn't long enough to, to notice anything, but uh, yeah, we, we had a little hiccup uh, earlier this month or this week. Now, on the monsoons, and we talked about it last week a little bit with uh, Eisenhower when we were talking trees, and um, I didn't get into it. But what what is the etiquette on telling a neighbor, you know, you're 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 killing this tree. I've got a neighbor and I pass by his house. I have to pass by his house every day. And he's got this nice mesquite, nice canopy. Mm-hmm. He's got his irrigation heads. There's no drip emitter like when the irrigation's on, the the water's just pouring out, which is okay, I would guess, but they're all right at the trunk. Mm-hmm. on the base it's, they're not out on I'm like you're, you're just you're, you're not developing your roots you're soaking it as soon as a wind's gonna hit this thing's gonna topple over but spread that that irrigation out how how's the right way to knock on his door and say can can i help you or or <laughs> with, with your trees a little bit how here, well buddy? do you know him <laughs> i guess that's the <laughs> seen him on his tractor once that's it oh. I, I, they're never outside <laughs> i don't hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure I have an answer for that. <laughs> Drop off if you take one of those little Amwa watering by the num- landscape watering by the number book. Just leave it on his and doorstep. just leave it on his doorstep. <laughs> I hope that? he reads it. Yeah. Oh man, it's it, it's a shame, but it, it's amazing just how much you see that. You know, the, you you get a plant, you start a tree, you put the irrigation closed because the roots are and that never gets moved out with the, the well, canopy it, it, growth. Yeah, I used to be amazed at how many people didn't even know where their uh, irrigation controller was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they would call hey I've got a I've got a leak, my water's you know, my irrigation's running. Well where can you go shut off your controller? Where's that? Uh what's that? Where's that? Oh boy. <laughs> it's so once it's in and programmed, 30 years, it hasn't been changed, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it, it's uh, 
it's a, it's an item that that I don't know how we get around to it, but uh, until there's a till there's a unfortunately until there's a situation where we are forced to either ration water or be in a situation where people have to uh, to start thinking more seriously about their irrigating their plants that you know we're not going to overcome. Well, let's talk about something happy. When all of this <laughs> is <good>. over, <laughs> well, we got what, two, three more weeks of this extreme heat, and then we're going to get into this point where we can start working on our fall garden. Yeah, we're getting close. Um, you know, we're we're into um, uh, what mid July seventeenth, eighteenth. Yeah, can you believe it? Yeah, uh, um, it is hard to believe, and um, so. You know, August um, is just right around the corner, and we start looking at the list of things you can start planting. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot in July, obviously. Pumpkins, if you want to have uh, a jack-o'-lantern-sized pumpkin by Halloween, July's probably about, about right now to do it. <clears throat> um, but as we get closer to and in, in, into August— um, it's it's there's a few more things we can start planning, but once September hits, and man, it's you know it's Katie bar the door as far as fall vegetables and growing. So if you've noticed, um, you know it it it's kind of far away from us as we live in the urban city, but all of the all of the areas out in agriculture right now are prepping their fields for fall crops. They're putting compost on. They're they're tilling their compost in. They're, you know, they're, they're cultivating, they're leveling, they're getting ready so that, that when that magic day hits, they're ready. They can boom, they can, they can plant and they take a lot of time and effort to do it right. And it's hot and it's, and they're, they're using big equipment and they're driving around in air conditioned cabs <laughs> and tractors. With stereos. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, probably with GPSs, they're probably just really yeah, the yeah, fact that right. they're in the tractor is just in case something goes wrong, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, not in all cases, but anyway, in, in, as a home gardener, you know, it, it's not something like maybe you want to be out there for six or eight or 10 hours at a time right now, but if you could go out and start, you know, pulling the dead stuff and till, uh, you know, turning in a little compost and you can do that over the next 30 days for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes or a half hour here or 20 minutes there, by the time that mid-August or, or Labor Day weekend rolls around, which will be on us in just a little over a month, um, you're ready to go. So lots of, lots of compost. Just if you, if you didn't do anything right now, but just go get compost and turn it into your garden and keep that garden turned and keep it weed-free and ready to go, you'd be in good shape. So it's it's not far away. Take it a little, take it in little bites at a time, and you'll do a better job. And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rain. You're gonna fall. Just a reminder to you're homeowners. You're digging deep, buddy. Yeah, but a reminder to homeowners oh, the first time in Arizona. See? It just takes that one storm that you go, whoa, what was that? <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't drive across Indian Ben Wash. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Please. 
You know, that's we actually have that slated as a talking point a little bit later, but bringing it up with the rain is, you know, the, the one thing that always amazes me with these people that, that get stuck in the washes and everything, it's like, you know, couldn't you have just waited an hour? It, Sometimes it, not even that. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, be be prepared, have have extra water in your in your vehicle, have uh some kind of food that doesn't go bad in the heat, something that's that's you know, packaged right, that they can stay in your car constantly. Just just hang out. You know, there, there's nothing so important you can't wait an hour. Well in the two. case of the Indian man washer in the middle of town. Just yeah. go to the next intersection where there's a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> We have a great segment planned for next week on uh, preparedness and flash flooding and just kind of a reminder to be cautious. That if hopefully we make it through the week with no flooding before we get our information out. There but hey, um, Jay, text message came in. Um, this guy has um, artificial turf, and he'd like to—it's lived its life, and he'd like to change it to—he wants to plant grass. Now, when should he do that? Well, right now is a good time to do it. Um, for getting sod to knit and to root or from starting from seed, actually during the monsoons, maybe the best time to do that of the year because it's it's the heat that the Bermuda grass wants and the humidity, which will keep the moisture, you know, levels up a little bit. So, I you know, I'd do it right away if you can. And if you need direction on how to do that, you can get to the podcast and re-listen to uh, segment number three. As we, I, or was it two? One. No, it was two. It, it was, was two. two. That was yes. our question of the week. Yeah, that's right. That uh, had had quite the, the the detailed description on on how to do that. And as we're winding down this hour, between now and and next month, what's the most critical thing for homeowners to do? Well, probably keep your plants alive. <laughs> Again, you know, getting back to watering properly, checking irrigation systems, making sure things are, are working properly. Make sure you're ready for the months. You know, if you've got young trees that need to be properly staked, mulched, tree trunks protected, those types of things. Look around your property if you've got, you know, a tree that's got a limb that's maybe hanging precariously. If you're unsure, have an arborist come out and take a look. Um, you know, you don't want a limb falling on <clears throat> your neighbors more than anything or, or something valuable in your yard. So I, I would, you know, kind of take precautions and, and look around. And when you're talking about neighbor's yard, we get this question often. We had one last week where there's a tree that's planted close to a block wall. Mm-hmm. You know, it's now at the age where the roots are heaving the block wall. You know, what... Whose responsibility is that? It's over and, you know, the, the, the trunks on this property, but the leaves and the limbs are on this side dropping mm-hmm. litter. You know, whose, whose responsibility is that tree? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, it's your tree. You know, if it's on your property, uh, you know, you need to communicate with your neighbor. Anything that's hanging over their property, um, they, they should be able to take control of and, and take care of. Um, you know, I would advise you probably do that for them, but uh, ask them about it. Is it bothering them? Is it, you know, you know, I get a knock on my door once in a while. <laughs> hey, uh, it's time to trim that. Okay, got it. Uh, and you have the tree trimmer out and they, you know, they take care of it. So, um, yeah, it's just being a good neighbor. So, 
Make sure you wear your mask when you go over there and talk to me. <laughs> this, this is why I live where I don't have any neighbors. <laughs> That's a good idea, too. <laughs> we had, uh, you know, be, being at home, not having the, the rodeo season, we've gotten a lot done in the landscaping. One thing we did, we have uh, 60 yards of Maricopa delivered from Crowell and all of our trees. And, and it didn't, it turned out not being enough. I'm going to have to get another another truckload out. But we've got a, a beautiful bed of mulch around all of our trees, about a foot past the actual tree canopy, past wow. the limbs. Yeah. Uh, a good, good three inches in, on, in most cases around it. I mean, we got... The mulberries, the oaks, the pistachios, the pecans, the citrus, the ash. I mean, it's it, it and what it does just. I, I I've had three people stop and ask, "When did you plant those trees?" Seven years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just it just makes them pop. Uh, and like, really, they've been there that long. I'm like, yeah, and showing pictures of you know because they were planted as the bare root of the pecans, mm-hmm. and they're you know they're fifteen feet tall now. Wow, it's like, looking good. Yeah, mulch, <laughs> mulching, and comp uh, around trees. <laughs> I tell you what, folks, if you're not putting organic compost, shredded bark mulch, something around the base of your trees and shrubs, <clears throat> you'd be amazed how much of a difference and how fast of a difference it will make. Well, we're looking forward to it, and we had uh, <clears throat> we got the wheelbarrows out there and the shovels and got everyone out there. Come on, kids, we're gonna. This is this is called labor work. After about the tenth one, ran up to Hacienda Parentals and uh, loaded a skid steer, and <laughs> all all four kids can now drive a, a skid steer. Well, right. yeah, that's a valuable lesson too. Very good. I, I'll tell you one tree that still impresses me in Old Town Scottsdale is that banyan tree. They have a picture of it when it was planted. It was a fingerling in the mid '90s, and in 20 years' time, that thing is huge. I I could sit under there when it's 115 and be comfortable. Wow, huge tree. Yeah. Well, shade's a wonderful thing. You know, we talk about it's probably the number one recommendation if you want to cut energy costs is get some shade. And well, John Jay, thanks a million for coming in and sharing your wisdom with us on getting ready for the monsoons this particular year and how to get ready to plant that sod lawn. Folks, did you realize that second homes are going through a surge in demand right now? If you're thinking about it, You've got to stay tuned for the rest of the show because we're going to talk about shopping for that piece of property. Shopping, possibly, for that manufactured home you can set on the property for about a third the price that you can go build a custom on. 